0: Hey, I want you to turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. We are in, still in. Everybody doing all right being in the series this long? Everybody okay? Your uh, ADD hasn't kicked in and you can't, you know, it's like, wait, series are only supposed to last four weeks. Every month you change them. It helps. Uh, no, we've been in this for a bit. We still got a couple weeks in it. And uh, we've been going through this idea that Jesus is the Christ, not just Jesus Christ. Christ isn't his last name, Christ is actually his title. And we've been trying to answer this question uh, that Jesus asked of his disciples, which was Hey, who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? Two questions that have to be answered. We typically in church life or just in our own study focus on the second question where Peter says, well, you're Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. The problem is that 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 question was framed by the first question, which was who do people say that I am? If you have no concern for how other people view Jesus, then why does it really matter how you view him? I know that's a little bit harsh. But I'm just telling you, our whole purpose here, I don't think Jesus was just doing that as a setup question. I think he was doing that as a question to say, hey, it matters what other people think so that you can also have a thought and you can bring those thoughts together somehow and set people free and bring life and hope into the world. Amen? And so um, you're going to have to do better today. You're going to have to do more amens. My wife was giving it all she got. I needed more amens this morning. And uh, so I know it's Mother's Day. You all dress nice. So that means you feel like you have to be more proper. Get rid of that thought. Let's just be in it today, all right? Um, but I, uh, but w- so we're in this kind of thing. And that's what Paul's writing to the Colossians about. He's writing to the Colossians, the people of the Colossians. He's actually never visited there. He's never been there. But he's writing to these people because they received the message of the gospel. In fact, in Colossians 2, he says that as you received it, walk in it. Don't get away from what we came with. Don't get away from what you first received. What you first received is what you needed to receive. So receive that and then run with it. How many of you know we make a decision about Christ or really any decision? We make a big decision because of a particular reason. We have a sense of calling about it or a sense of of just meaning to it or, or there's a good reason for it. And then as we walk it out, we just keep adding new thoughts and new ideas and new expectations and new things to it. And we begin to convolute the whole reason we did it in the first place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You start to second guess yourself. You start to feel bad about yourself. Or maybe other people are making you feel crazy. And, and look, sometimes somebody needs to come alongside you and go, don't. Do that, But, I, but in, in, in general, we tend to do that, and that's what these people are dealing with. These people are trying to figure out, they received Christ, but they're in a culture and in a city that is trying to add on different things. So you see phrases like the moon festival or Sabbath or the, all these traditions and all these expectations that are beginning to mess with their genuine faith. And so Paul goes off in the first chapter talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. And he goes through all these different things. In fact, it takes him all the way into Colossians 3. Now, he wouldn't have broken it into chapters. So let's just go with like page three of his letter. It took him all the way to that point to even begin to reference their behavior and how they should live. The first two and a half chapters is all about who Jesus is because behavior is never the primary goal of Christ. The primary goal of Jesus is that you know him. And because you know him, you begin to change. And when we flip those, we get frustrated, discouraged, depressed, angry, and we start calling people hypocrites, right? Uh, Because we've flipped the purpose and we've made the main thing uh, a minor thing. But the main thing is Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one who came to save and set free and bring life and hope and purpose. And so last week we talked through a few different things out of Colossians 3. We're going to hang there a bit more uh, today. And uh, we'll, we'll continue. We're going to do a couple more weeks. And th- the reason is, is because our vision, our hope, is that we see Jesus on every street and every heart. And, and so what we have to do first is see Jesus. Um, before we do any of the other things, we have to make sure we see Jesus as he is. Because if we mess that up and we start telling people about a Jesus that doesn't exist, or a Jesus that is mean, or a Jesus that is condemning, or a Jesus that isn't powerful, then we will not give our city anything to grab hold to and grab hold of. Amen? And so we want to see Jesus first. And I feel like we've experienced some of that this morning, just the healing. And I, I just believe as Mayor prayed that, we, that there were some people who really kind of let some things go and moved into a place of healing. And I've been praying that as we were, as we were uh, worshiping this morning. And uh, I just believe our church is going to bring that into every street and every heart. Amen? Amen. And so let's read in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to go back a few verses, especially for some of you guys who weren't here last week because I'm sure you had some really important things to do. And... Um, is that passive-aggressive? Might be passive-aggressive. And uh, and we're gonna go back to uh, verse seven of Colossians three. We're gonna read through about eight verses, and uh, and then we'll jump into the message. Oh, and I thought I was in Colossians. I'm in Second Timothy. Let me get there, y'all. Uh, Colossians chapter three. I just thought if I opened my Bible, I'd be so anointed it would go there. And I haven't told you guys this yet, but like three weeks ago, this page fell out, and it's the page I've been in for like three weeks. And I've been awkwardly trying to keep it in my Bible while preaching. And y'all haven't noticed, so props to me. All right, <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. Welcome to C3, y'all. This is us. This is what you're gonna get. You used to do these things, everybody say, used to. To do these things when your life was still part of this world. Now remember, we talked about this last week, and I think it's important to repeat it. So many of us start with that verse rather than the verses that preceded it. The verses that preceded it said, because you are risen with Christ, because you are in Christ Jesus, and the old things have passed away, so now you live this new life, and you can do away with those things. I've heard so many people mention the quote that we referenced last week, which was, those who are at peace with God have no problem mortifying sin. Those who feel like they still have to earn peace are just struggling to mortify sin, and mortify, I know that's a word you use a lot, uh, is to put to death, because that's the language Paul uses. But he's not saying this, do it of your own strength. In fact, Romans, the same author of Romans, says that, hey, hey listen, the, the spirit of God who's in you is the one who does this work for you. So the whole purpose is that I would know him and in knowing Christ, I would have the Holy Spirit in me and he through me would begin to do these things. So I don't produce fruit on my own. I produce fruit out of relationship with him because those things, production and multiplication only happen through intimacy. And so there's this, there's this thing that happens here. When I get to know Jesus, those things are much easier to move away from. When I know where my real life is, I can get rid of my fake one. Right, And so I, I, that's, that's kind of where we are, the location of your life. Locate yourself in Christ Jesus and watch these other things begin to do away with. All right. So put to death this, oh wait, nope, here you go. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of, but now, everybody say now. now. That is not future, that is present. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Some of you are going to tell your kids that today. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, gossip. That's probably one of the biggest things I think in our culture is the culture of gossip, the culture of just talking about people. Gossip and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. <laughs> Man, I wish I didn't have to read that, right? Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Give yourself some grace to learn to know. Give yourself some grace and time to learn to know your creator. Too many times we make a decision to follow Jesus and give our life to Christ, and then we feel like we have to have it all together right then in that moment. That is not the gospel. The gospel is as I get to know him more, I become more the person I am meant and called and created to become. So learn to know him as you put on this new nature. Learn to know him and become more like the one who created you. In this new life, there's that location word, in. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile Some translations would say Greek there. If you're a Jew or Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. That's the verse we're going to hang out in, but let's read the rest. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. That's a, just a reminder. He forgave you in all the things you've done and all the things you've said. He's forgiven you, so forgive others in the same way. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which, uh, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, that's a high bar. Everything he just said, like, just took it up a notch, right? And I do think there's a discipline and a commitment and an intentionality about those things. But it is not in the context of earning anything. It is in the context of those things cannot condemn you, but they can hold you back. And you need to walk free of those things because Christ has called you to something greater, better, and different. Let's not be as everyone else. Let's put on a new nature, so you can walk in these things. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, I pray that as we walk into this, as we get into your word, as we read the living active word of God, and as we hear it, the Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts, that you would secure some things in our lives, and you'd produce some things in our world that really do radically change our life. Lord, I pray you get rid of all the things that I say that I shouldn't have said. Um, God, and I pray we remember the things that matter most, and Lord, I pray that people are sensitive to hear what you want to speak specifically to them, not my words, but your words to them. I pray they would run with it and live in it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm about to talk about a word that, in Texas, especially right now, is kind of almost like a mean word to talk about. Um, But it just made sense when I got into uh, this verse that 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 does not matter about Jew or Greek or civilized, uncivilized. Yes, I skipped over part and uh, and I I, it doesn't matter all those things. And and the word is is uh, is 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 snow. It's painful, right? I don't know if you've ever been in, a, in, in a, a snowfall in Texas. Most of you probably have not. Uh, but anytime during the winter, when Mary sees a snowflake, a snowflake, not snow, but a snowflake, uh, or even a semblance of a snowflake, it might be something falling off our tree that just looks a little bit like it and it's cold outside, so why not? Um, she yells at the top of her lungs, It's snowing! Now, I've lived here my whole life, so have you, but I've lived here my whole life, and I understand that that probably doesn't mean a whole lot. Like, if I go out to my window and look out, one, I'm going to have to strain really hard to see it. Two, I know that in three hours, I'm going to be severely disappointed if I get my hopes up and think that somehow that snow is still going to be there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you've just given up on the idea that there could ever be snow. Like, I go, babe, just come back to me in six hours when there's actually still snow on the ground, and then we can talk. And maybe, uh, maybe you've ever heard this, maybe growing up as a kid, maybe in class, you've heard the term, um, you know, no snowflake, or heard the phrase, no snowflake is the same. And then we segue that into, and you're a precious little snowflake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody look in the mirror every morning and go, I am a snowflake. There is no one like me in all the world. And I am cold and rigid to everyone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> You know, I don't know if it's actually proven that there really is no, like, exact snowflake. I'm not even sure that's scientifically true, but, but, but it's a great thing to say, and it's really helpful when you're frustrated, you know, with what life is doing to you um, because you're a precious snowflake. And uh, But here's the thing I've discovered uh, living in Texas when you see one single snowflake is that it isn't a snowfall until snowflakes get together, Like we love to talk about, man. I'm a little. I'm a snowflake. I'm precious. I'm unique. I'm different. And I'm not saying any of those things are untrue. I'm just telling you that until you connect those things to other people, it doesn't make a difference to anybody except for the one person who stands in the living room going, "I think. I think I see one. I think I see one. It's a snowflake." But my kids don't get to skip school. I don't get to go sledding. I don't get to do any of those things until several snowflakes get together and make it a snowfall. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's Paul, the same one who said, every one of you has a purpose, every one of you has value, every single one of you has something distinct about you, different about you, unique about you. Here's Paul, in the, the same guy who said that, saying to us, none of these things matter. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek If you're circumcised, uncircumcised, if you're barbarian, if you're uncivilized, if you're slave or free, these labels do not matter about you. It is Jesus and only Jesus that can define you. And it's hard to reconcile those two things. But before we even jump, because some of us here think we really do have problems with people, like we've got some things about people that we do not like, right? And we think they're legitimate valid things i was reading about this verse this colossians 3 and i wanted to read to you a description of the relationships between jews and greeks just to set the table when paul says these things do not matter all that matters is christ jesus y'all should live in harmony i just want you to know who he's talking to so i've got a quote for you that i'm going to read and uh, it's it's not actually very short because i think it really packs a punch the jew and the greek had nothing to do with each other that's a That's a good start, right? The world of the New Testament, as our day, uh, was full of divisions between people. The Greek looked down on slaves and barbarians and Scythians. The Greek was the aristocrat of the Roman world and lauded it over anyone who was not Greek in his culture. The Jew looked down on the Gentile, the Greeks. Jews refused to enter a Gentile house, would not eat a meal cooked by Gentiles, I mean, come on. How would you do fast food? When Jews returned to Israel, they showed their disdain by shaking off the dust from their clothes and sandals. Could you imagine? If you want to really make someone upset and prove a point, walk out of their house and go, could I have a towel, please? What for? I just need to, like, brush off a little bit. I just need to, like, get some things off of me because I just, I just went through your house, and I need to, I need to cleanse Get to the end of the street, pull up at the stop sign, open the door. Man, i got to get back in the car and go, okay, I'm good. The Pharisee would pray each morning, listen to this. The Pharisee would pray each morning, I thank thee, God, that I am a Jew. Not one of those Gentiles. A man, not a woman, and a free man, not a slave. I don't know, I feel like it runs deep. Yet all these distinctions are removed in Christ. The gospel broke down every barrier so that Jew and Gentile became one in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I, I know y'all clapping. It's good. But what neighborhood do you lock your doors in? What place do you not visit? Right? Whose house will you not go over to? Whose phone call will you not pick up? Which coworker do you intentionally avoid? Like Mary said, go the long way, you know. Man, you got to cut through these people, but you are willing to deal with their chatter because you don't want to, maybe I might have to end up talking to that person. How many labels or backgrounds or ethnicities or differences do we acknowledge before we acknowledge the very thing that should unite us, Christ Jesus? See, the problem with the gospel is not Jesus. The problem with the gospel is us. We look at Jew or Greek. We look at Texas or Oklahoma we look at Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia Schmeagles. I don't even know. That's not even a real thing. That's not, I, anyone in the Super Bowl, like, what do I have to talk about? Anyways, we look at these things and we label people and we, we put them into the little categories. And so, what we do instead of loving people and locating ourselves, we love to love ourselves and locate people. We like to place them where they should be. We like to put them in their little boxes. We like to make sure it's their fault. When everything that happens to us is not our fault, it's our circumstance. Everything that happens to them is their fault. Their circumstances shouldn't matter. And we, we would much rather love ourselves and locate people than locate ourselves and love people well. But here's Paul, like the first thing he lists off. Because Paul could have gone the easy route, like, you know, people who like this type of food and not that type of food. And people who like, you know, sunny days and rainy days. And, you know, he didn't do any of that. He goes at the heart of it and says, anyone who's a Jew, that don't matter. Anyone who's a Greek, that doesn't matter. Y'all are one in Christ Jesus, whether you like it or not. Boys, behave, right, moms? Get it together. Because in Christ, those things don't matter. Now, I understand. I, I, I know I've already kind of like, I've made you feel bad about being a snowflake. But I'm not telling you that, that your uniqueness is wrong. I'm saying that you have to put your uniqueness in the context of community so that it can become useful. If, if, we, if, we just, if we major on our differences, then we have elevated what makes us different above what makes us united. And so we can't enjoy diversity in our un- unity because we have elevated what makes us different. You're made to make a difference. I wholeheartedly believe that. I do believe you are a snowflake. But I truly believe that until you unite with other snowflakes, you will not make the difference God intended for you to make. And so what he's saying here is he's not actually saying that your giftings or your calling or the dreams that he's put in your heart don't matter. He's saying your background, your ethnicity, your rituals, your past, your things that have defined you before, those no longer matter. What matters most is that you are in Christ Jesus, and in Christ Jesus, your differences actually bring about a unity that brings life and hope into the earth. Are you with me? And so many times, this is, this, our, our hope for you in this church, our desire, my greatest desire for you is that you would know and experience three primary things, that you would know and experience Christ, that you would know and experience community, and that you would know and experience calling. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. More often than not, we do one of two things. Are you ready? As individuals, we jump from Christ to calling, and we skip community. When community is the very thing that shapes the character that holds your calling up. How many of you know people who are called, but they are the worst people to be around? Like, you know it's in them. You see it. It's there. And you're like, but I don't want to go anywhere near it. The other thing is we tend to go, and sometimes the church does this more than the individual. We tend to go Christ to community, and then we never go into our calling because we don't promote and empower each other enough. But all three should be present in your life. Man, he is the head. I'm joined to community. And in community, my calling actually becomes the very thing it is meant to be. So embrace your differences. 100%. Embrace them. Just don't major on them. Don't make them the thing. Right? In fact, he talks about this, Paul talks about this in multiple situations. Uh, I want to read a couple primary places where he mentions this. Okay? The first one would be Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. We're going to read this together. Just as our bodies have many parts, so here's that body reference. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, you snowflakes, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and here, listen to this. This is what you're getting into when you give your life to Christ, and we all belong to each other i don't know if i like all that you know i mean i we belong to each other we are family this is home that means when someone's going through something we don't go well your circumstances no no, no. we go let's go get them out of it when we're frustrated with something we forgive quickly Why? Because we belong to one another, and if we belong to one another, let's make sure at the very least it is peaceful, and we are thankful, and we are forgiving, and we are life-giving, and we are speaking hope over people, and we are empathetic, and we understand. And then we're courageous enough not just to stand in our own calling, but courageous enough to go rescue people from the circumstances they find themselves in. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So we belong to one another, right? But it's all because we joined with and are joined to Christ. He is the head of the body. That's the first Corinthians thir- uh, not 13, sorry. that we are, we are joined to the body for a purpose. We, we are meant to play our part. Let me read another one. Colossians chapter one. Here we are back to Colossians. All right, he starts with this. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all those who would rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. That means in every relationship. That means in every church service. That means in every dinner party. That means in every board meeting. That means in every, any, any relationship we have. The first thing we do is know Christ. That's the first. He is supreme. He is preeminent. He is first in everything. So those are two good examples, positive examples, of what it is to be different, but to be connected to the head of the church, which is Christ. The last one, this is where it gets weird, and this is what happens when we forget who the head of the body is. Once you go to Colossians chapter two, verse nineteen, and they are not connected. Now the preceding verse of this, and I should have actually given you all this one. The preceding verse is that these people are lording over you some weird. Uh, detrimental, destructive thought process. They're trying to get you to think a certain way and do things a certain way and mess certain things up and they're giving you all this stuff and the reason they're doing that, the reason they're adding false expectations or, or adding to the gospel is because they are not connected to Christ. The head of the body. For he holds the body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. When we get di- disconnected from the head, when we get disconnected from Christ, we begin to cause more harm than good. Because we, we, we have lost what he originally came for, which was people. See, your calling is a, per- a person-driven purpose. There, is, there, is, there are people in your calling. Both those who would help encourage it and support it and empower it and equip you for it and those who would be affected by it, those who would be uh, empowered by it themselves, those who would be encouraged by what you do. You are meant to impact people, but it's built on the fact that you've connected yourself to Christ and in so doing connected yourself to the body and in that you have begun to live out who you are in Christ Jesus. See, I think if we could get all three of those things lined up in our church and lined up in our churches and lined up in our city, then things would go much more smoothly. I think so much of our frustration comes out of our lack of ability to live within community, which I think is a big struggle of people, uh, or, or our question about our calling. And usually it's because we've, we, we've, we've uh, minimized one of those three things. The primary thing is when we forget that Jesus also forgave us. We forget that Jesus is the head, the body. He is the one who leads us and guides us. He, he, when he, he shows up in our world and is supreme, the Holy Spirit should lead us in producing fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Did I get it? I hope I got it. And you know, we, That's what we are, we're following Jesus. And we make it so much more complicated than that. I find that when I begin to pray over people, I find it really hard to stay mad at them. That's why I don't pray for people. Right? <laughs> No, but I think the reason, why do we make Christ the head? Because Christ wants relationship. That means we have to talk to him. That means we have to pray. And then we have to pray. We have to tell him about the people we're frustrated about. And then by the time we're done talking to him, we're not frustrated with him anymore. And then we got to forgive him. And then I'm not sure I really want to do that, right? So we make it all this kind of, no, no, no. Make Jesus the head. Make him the center. Make him supreme and watch as things begin to happen. So what happens here in this verse when, when Paul says it doesn't matter about Jew and Greek, he is not devaluing you. He is making sure you understand the differences that actually matter. See, Christ didn't give us different values. He gave us different gifts. Your value is established and will never change. You were one he gave his life for, period. There is no changing that. Every single person in here matters to him more than we will ever know. In fact, Paul says that in Ephesians. I pray that you would experience and know his love even though you would never know it fully because it's too great. I pray that you would know his love. So he, he is not devaluing you, he is, he is evaluating your gift and he's taking your value out of the realm of how you grew up, where you grew up, what master's degree you just graduated with, where you did, none of that, that's not your value, that is your gifting, that is your calling and it's meant to be used to give value and bring value to other people. But if you, are, if you are locked up in the idea that somehow you are less valuable, then you, you will have a tough time using your gifting and your calling to actually bring value to other people because you will be trying to validate your own value. Did you hear that? I think everybody needs to hear that again. Yeah. If we spend too much time worrying about how much we value to God, how much we are worth to him, then we will sidetrack our calling and make it about validating our own value. And so we will look at other people or other things and we will compare it to who we are rather than what we do and we will get all of our value out of our gifting and our calling. But really, you knowing that you are secure in Christ, that your real life is hidden with him, that you are identified with him, that he has made you new and that he gave everything for you should actually flow into your gifting and calling because you are secure in who you are. You bring that value and that gifting and that difference into the rest of the world and you are empowering people even when they think it should be dog I'm gonna, I'm going to get rid of you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to outsell you. I'm going to make you feel less because I need to feel better. Instead, we're walking into the world and we're going, man, you know what? I know, I know who I am. I'm going to empower you even when I want that job. I'm going to encourage you. I'm gonna, even when you don't need it, I'm going to encourage you. I'm gonna tell you you're a snowflake. I'm gonna encourage you as much as I possibly can. Why, because I don't need the validation of my gifting. The gifting is a useful thing that makes me unique in certain ways, but it is not the thing that actually makes me valuable. It is not the very thing that defines my value in Christ. That is simply done by the creator, who I am learning to know and become more like. Here's my challenge to you. Are you ready? Because none of these other things matter. The one thing that matters is Christ. Christ is all and in all. Right? So here's my challenge. In earth, see heaven. In people, see Jesus. In the earth, see heaven. Where can you bring things into your world that are different? Where can you bring life and hope and joy? Where can you bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth? And quit looking at the earth and and cursing it and condemning it and saying, well, this is that and this is that. We don't need, we have enough of those people on the planet. What the world needs more than anything else is for for Christians to walk into the earth and go, man, I could see heaven here. Walk in like, like, the Gaines family or whoever they are, and they look into a house and go, you know what I could see? The earth needs people have vision, who see something different, who go into Southside and West 7th and River East and go, man, I see heaven here. I see heaven here. Even down, I mean, I see heaven right here in Sundance Square. I see it. I see it in White Settlement. I see heaven here. And when I walk into my job and I see my coworker that I don't love so much, just see Jesus, it'll make it easier. Man, when you see Jesus, you go, I love you, just like Jesus loved me, and I've, I've got, I, look, I'm different than you, but that doesn't make me less uh, loving, it doesn't make, in fact, it should make me more. Man, I'm, I'm different, I'm gifted, I've got value, I've got, man, and I'm going to love you. I'm going to see Jesus in you. But maybe the other side of this challenge, where one is where maybe you need to see more of heaven and earth and more of Jesus in people, because isn't that what Paul says? Christ is all. He is supreme. He is everything. And He is in all of you. As you give your life to Christ, that is what you should see. Man, Jew, Greek, no, 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 no. Barbarian, which just, we meant uneducated, uh, just kind of going around, swinging a club at things. No, no, no. I see Jesus in you. That's what He's saying, right? Here's, here's the other side of that same coin, though Jesus is in you. And no matter what people say, no matter what people have done, no matter what kind of calling or gifting you think you have, think you don't have, wish you had, Jesus is in you. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you brings life and hope and joy, and he is your identity. He is, as Paul says earlier on in this chapter, he is your real life. See, some of you fellas, man, you work all day or you take care of your family all day and, and you're getting your value from that. And so when it doesn't go well, sales are down, right, you lose a job. Ladies, you know this as well. You, you start to go, well, I, I guess I'm not. Oh, I guess I don't work, yeah. Well, I don't have the job I wanted, so I, I guess I'm obviously not this or I'm not that. I'm not... I mean, moms, today, right now, some of you have you know, kids, just, man, they're just, they're just doing their thing, they're running wild, and you're going, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not this bad, I'm not, obviously messed up, I'm terrible, I'm whatever. Your value is not in the circumstances of your life. Your value is not in what people say about you behind your back. Your value is not based upon what people do to you or around you. Your value is based simply on this that Jesus Christ gave anything and everything to get to you, to get some water that would give you refreshing, living water. It would never run out because you were valuable to him. And I know for some of us, we don't need to hear the snowflake talk. Here's what you need to hear. You only really make the difference that God called you to make, the difference that God wanted you to make, when you join yourself to the other other snowflakes and you become a snowfall and you begin to change people's schedule, you begin to change people's lives. They got to orient themselves differently because all of a sudden the church has come together and realized that our usefulness is found when our uniqueness is unified under Christ. Amen? So, maybe today, maybe today for some of you, it is this. I need to attach my head back to Christ. I need to attach my life back to the head of the body so that I can begin to see people the way I need to see people and see the earth the way I need to see the earth. Or for some of you, you need to attach your life back to the head of Christ because, because otherwise you, you will see yourself less than and not as much and you're not valuable enough and you don't have this and because you didn't have this job yet or you didn't make it here. Maybe some of you were supposed to graduate today and you didn't graduate today and you're, now you're frustrated and you no, no, no. That is not your value. It's not your value. Christ is. That's where your real life is hidden. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, we are going to be a church that sees heaven and earth. God, we're going to be a church that sees Jesus and people. Whether they know him or not, whether they know you fully or not, whether they've ever experienced your love, but we are going to see people the way you see people, and we are going to do everything we can to make sure they know What you've done, we want to see Jesus on every street and in every heart. But before we can even get there, for some of us, we need to get rid of some of these things. We need to stop lying. We need to stop the malicious behavior. We need to get rid of some anger. And we need to do all those things, not out of our own strength, but because we've attached ourselves to you. You God, for some of us, we've walked around with this uniqueness, and we're trying to figure out how to make it useful, for others, we've questioned our usefulness because we haven't discovered our uniqueness. But all those things are discovered when we unify ourselves to Jesus, the Christ. Because what this world has to offer is, is well, you're a Jew and you're a Greek. This world has to offer is, well, you're a slave and you're free. Uh, you have money, you, you have money. You don't have money. You drive this, you don't drive that. You have this job, you don't have this job. You have these friends, you don't have these friends. And we begin to categorize each other and we major on the differences. God, let us major on Jesus because you are all that matters. You are in all and through all. God, there's people in this room right now who need to see Jesus again. Whether that means they need to see it in other people and they need to forgive and they need to let go and they need to move on and they need to begin to empower and encourage and equip people and love people and get connected back into the body of Christ. Or if it's simply that we need to stand in the mirror and go, Jesus, you gave all for me. I have value regardless of what I'm doing these days, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my career choices, regardless of those things. I have a value Built on the fact that you gave everything for me. You purchased me at a price. That means I was valuable enough to purchase. God, I thank you that you gave value to my life regardless of whatever else is going on. So if you're one of those two people, you're on one side of the coin and you're going, you know, I I need to begin to see the uniqueness of people and I need to begin to love them the way Jesus loved them. I, I, I wanna make sure that I've not disconnected myself from the head of the body so that I can love every part of the body so that I can love every snowflake, I can love every person well. Or maybe the other side of that coin that says, you know what, I, I need to stop basing my value on the career I have and the money I've made and the things I drive and the people I know. I, I, my value is wrapped up in Jesus and my real life is hidden with him in Jesus' name. If if you're either one of those, I'm going to ask in just one moment, with your courage, your boldness, your trusting of God, I want to make sure we pray with you. So if that's you and you just want to pray that prayer and go, you know what, I'm going to surrender this to Jesus. I'm going to get connected to the head. I'm going to get connected to him. I'm going to get connected to Jesus so that I can walk in the fullness of life he's called me to. I'm going to quit wrestling with my value. Quit wrestling with my calling. Anybody here right now, just may take a little courage. Maybe you just came to be here. Maybe you just came to support a family member. Maybe you just came because your mom made you. But today was for you. Today was for you. Maybe you've been sitting here for a long few weeks, and this is your moment to make a decision. If that's you today, would you just right now, with boldness and courage, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Real quick, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I know it takes take a little bit to admit something like this. It'll take a little bit to deal with something like this. Anybody else, real quick, and I'm going to pray. So good. So good. God, we pray right now over every person here. God, we pray for those two people who gave, uh, who raised their hand. God, I pray that you'd begin to impart value into their life, even now. Whichever side of that coin they were on, God, I pray that you would bring life and hope in them. God, I pray there would be joy and peace and patience. God, I pray there would be purpose. I pray there would be hope. God, I pray that they would attach themselves to you. And in that, they would find themselves walking in a new life. And their uniqueness, which is built by you and given by you, would become even more useful. Because they are not basing their value on what they can do, but upon who they are with. And they are with you. And so now they are giving all of themselves to loving well, to serving well, to doing life well with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Hey, as you stand up, would you give a round of applause for those who raised their hand? We're going to sing a song, right? Are we singing? No? Okay, you're going to come up.